Ever heard of a podcast where one of the hosts has no idea what's going on? Well, now you have. Welcome to Unprompted, the show where one of the hosts shows up completely unaware of the conversation topic for the episode. From technology to society to history life and more, each episode features a unique topic and the hosts unravel the details together using nothing but their background knowledge and past experiences. Hosted by Luke Bogus and Jared Arts, we hope you enjoy today's Unprompted Conversation. We're back. Again, every week. Every it's week. Like, just like every time before. Extremely consistent schedule, as always. I get a lucky me to get to see your face every Tuesday night. Except for things are things are a little different this time, Jared. Not because we're Tomorrow. recording on a Wednesday, but uh, also because we have a third individual in the room with us. That's right, listeners. We have a guest, our third guest. And this guest is a little different. I'll let, uh, I'll let Jared tell you why and introduce him. So you may or may not have noticed, but all of our previous guests were... <laughs> were people we went to school with so essentially they, close in friends. many ways though we you know we just begged them to come on the podcast this is our first real organic guest a true listener um a co-worker of mine <laughs> and his name is misha but i will let uh misha why don't you give yourself a solid introduction uh to the, to the many 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 listeners that we have here um and yeah we're just so excited to have you here Gentlemen, hmm. start your engines. <laughs> Let's go. I I am speed, faster than fast, quicker than quick. <laughs> um, uh, hello, thank you both for having me. Uh, my name is Misha. I am indeed Jared's colleague, but quickly ripening, like one of the bell peppers in Jared's backyard, into a friend. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Um, so, Misha, why don't you give a background? Like, obviously, you work at Microsoft. Uh, generally, what do you do? Where are you from? Um, the, the general nonsense. Um, just, uh, just to give yourself some credibility for what we're about to talk about. Mm. You know, that's what this podcast is all about: solid scientific credibility. Yeah, we need gotcha. all the credibility we can get. So, any anything you can do to, to help us out there would be great. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, okay, well, let's see. I'm a, I'm a clown and a, a silly lad, but at the same time, enjoy sports, outdoors. Uh, my family is from Russia, but I was born in the United States, in Louisiana. My upbringing is in Louisiana and in Texas. So, but if you ask me, I guess I would consider myself a Texan. Mm. Moved to the Pacific Northwest about a year and a half ago. After finishing university at the University of Texas at Austin, also in an honors computer science program, much like the two of you, which was some of the most formative four years of my life. And currently I, uh, sit at a computer and mash buttons uh, <laughs> right alongside Jared, virtually. <laughs> and one last thing, let's see. No, that's about it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I love, I love the first impression of uh, Cars as my all-time favorite movie, so I really appreciate the, uh, the dive into the monologue that is Lightning McQueen, so I appreciate that. Oh, of course, of course. I guess that could have been my last thing, is that I'm a very big patron of the cinema and of movies. 
This is true. Awesome. Misha knows more movies than anyone I've ever talked to. Interesting. And then Misha, tell me, what is that name? Because that's not the name that I'm seeing on the uh, on the teams here. Correct. So legally, my name is Mikhail, uh, spelled M-I-C-H-A-I-L, because that is my full legal name, the way my parents named me on my birth certificate. Uh, however, Mikhail is both rough to say and also those particular sounds aren't very common in the English language. And so Misha is what's known as the diminutive form of the name. And we have mm-hmm. that in Russian as well, where it is kind of equivalent to say like someone whose name is Jonathan, it'll likely be called Johnny by close family and friends. And so Misha is the diminutive form of Mikhail. Interesting. Okay. So it's not like a Western name. Like I know some cultures, like when they come to America, they make like a Western name, which is just a sad reflection on Americans, but I digress. So it's, that's not like a Western name. It's like an actual, like that's. That's exactly how it's pronounced in Russian as well. And it just so happens to be easily pronounced both in English and in Russian. Nice. Well, I am very pumped to have you here. It's great to meet you like seven minutes ago. And so the fact that we're doing a pod, it's even better. And the fact that you listen to the podcast is blows my mind. Usually the only people that do are Jared's brother. And uh, I mean, obviously the other millions and billions of listeners, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is special. This is special. <laughs> I, I really appreciate the, the honesty and authenticity of, of you two guys. And also uh, if anything, this is this is more fun, right? Because at least this is listening to someone who is kind of relevant in my life, as opposed to other podcasts about people that are completely out of my sphere of people. So yeah, that's tons of fun. Thank you. Yeah, well, let's do it. And well, thankfully, Jared's been prepping you for weeks uh, for the for the uh, feature on the podcast. Um, so yeah, Jared, if you want to you know, maybe fill us in on the massive preparation that you've been offering uh, over the last few weeks leading up to this? So I've been coaching Misha both in mind and in spirit for, I mean, three, maybe four weeks uh, on, you know, what it takes to podcast um, mm. every day, every night, four hours a night. Mm. Um, so he's he's more than ready in, in every way. Um, and I, of course, told him, you know, the way that that happens when we have a guest is that uh, we'll have a guest bring the topic. Um, and so uh, I did not mess up on that and tell him five nope. minutes before the podcast started. No, you did um, not. And so, Misha, we will now uh, digress to you to, to provide your well-prepared um, topic. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Luke. Uh, My well-prepared topic is the question of what are the best ways to get to know somebody? Well, Jared, you can go first since you got to know somebody in, uh, in Misha. How, how did, how did it blossom from just some dude on teams thousands of miles away from you Mm -hmm. to, uh, to a ripening friendship? So I think that there are, Anytime you get to know someone, anytime you, you meet someone, it's a two-way street, right? There's, there's two sides of the coin. Um, two people are, have to make the effort. I think that 
Nisha's the type of person that makes the effort, so it was easy to get to know him in, in <laughs> team meetings. But I'd say that the the point where I got to know, I feel like I got to know Misha best, is when I was last in Seattle, we played pool with Nick. And there is, much like um, uh, participating in a failing startup, uh, playing pool uh, is a great way to, to bond and to, uh, to talk. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, a, it's like a step down from the bachelor party. It's like playing pool sober is a good way to, to bond. So, like, jumping off of that, I think that, for me, like, getting to know someone usually requires some sort of activity, like, some sort of shared activity. So, like, if you, um, if you run and then you run with someone, then that's a good way to get to know them. Like, you have, like, something you can anchor onto to start this, like, start conversations, um, stick together, um... And then through that activity, you start to expand out. So I guess like in, in my case, like with Misha, like we started at the base just like with work. Um, and uh, that's like a fine place to start. And then jumping out to our coffee chats and talking about mutual interest in some way or me just spewing like my boring life. Uh, and then, you know, I think, yeah, playing pool was a great way to connect, I feel like in person um, because it was away from authority you know you could talk about work and you know thoughts and stuff like that um and then yeah i guess like what happens after that is like you continue to find things you're interested in connect over those things um that being said uh you know luke you should give your answer too but i know that misha has incredible ways to get to know someone that i don't want to steal the show because i wasn't there in person but i'll just you know I'll just I'll I'll let Luke answer first though because I think Luke needs to give a thought. Yeah, I uh, I actually haven't really cracked the code on how to do this in like a professional sense. Like I've definitely not made like a a true friend. I feel like in the work setting, like I have people obviously that I'm more friendly with and that I'll share more about my personal life with. But I don't think I've I have maybe one person that I would maybe get a drink with or go out to eat with or something outside of it, like a completely outside of a work setting. Um, that's crazy because I've been here for like 11 months and on the same team for 11 months. And so it has like, it's not a reflection on my team. I don't even really think it's like a reflection of like the people that I've been with. It's just like a reflection of somebody has to take the initiative to just like say, we should do something outside of work. And that's just like kind of weird. I feel like with just completely work. Cause I don't know, it took me a long time to, the only way that we talk about non-work things in our meetings, or at least in my meetings is like the first five or 10 minutes of a call. Like, you know, maybe you happen to get on some topic that is interesting and you see like a shed of like, Oh, you have a life outside of work. That's awesome. And then like you do that three or four times and then naturally. So I, you know, I've talked with people over lunch, which has been nice and whatever, but um, I think like in a work setting specifically, I haven't really cracked the code on I guess my interpretation of getting to know someone, which is like, I would hang out with them outside of work. Like I am obviously, I enjoy the people I work with, but I don't know if I've made that step yet quite with some people. So I'm very curious. Maybe I can take some notes on uh, ways that you, Misha, have, uh, have found good ways to get to know people. And got my notepad. Oh, I, uh, that's, notepad is good, yeah. Uh, I definitely uh, sympathize with you, Luke, um, and I guess I will respond to Jared's answer first and then yours. Jared brought up two really good points, uh, which the first one is showing up. Showing up is 
uh, a large part of the work of getting to know someone. I think that just the raw amount of time that you spend with a person is a good estimator for lots of little, little experiences or conversations that you'll have with someone that make you more comfortable having longer conversations, more different types of conversations and whatnot. And the second point that Jared brought up that was really interesting is a genuine curiosity in getting to know the other person. So like being able to ask one, two or three more questions and being an active participant in the conversation shows the other person that, oh, hey, this person wants to get to know me. This person is is interesting to, to talk to. So when Jared says he has a boring life, to me, it's the exact opposite. I love hearing about all the things that he is skilled at that I am not, and it's of genuine interest to me. So that definitely helps, right? To answer your question, I think you have a lot of things going against you. So from my previous listens of your podcast, uh, I happened to catch that your team is basically fully remote. Essentially, yeah, minus a few people. I'm so blown away that you remember that detail. It's incredible. <laughs> but yes. So, yeah, the fact that people are remote makes it a lot harder for all the reasons that people have talked about for all the two years of COVID. And what is the age or sorry, the, the life stage situation with you and your teammates. Yeah, my the the person I said that I would perhaps get drinks with outside of work, I have, I've done it twice, it's great. He is 35, and that's almost the next youngest person. There are a few people around my age that have recently joined the team, um, but the majority of people that I work with day to day all have kids, so definitely a deterrent. Mm. That is a big divider in the types of activities in the free time that you would have versus what they would have. So don't beat yourself up for that. Um, that is, you know, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle here. Uh, your uh, tips and your smooth moves. Sorry, say that again. I think I missed you. I think my, hello, am I back? Yes, you're back. Oh my gosh, the Wi-Fi. That's terrible. I'll say, well, I was just ready to take some notes on some of your strategies that you use that Jared has maybe mentioned to me, perhaps. Have you, Jared? I'm not sure if I've told you about these these strategies. I guess I wasn't an active participant in many of them. So, uh, but nonetheless, like, I'm sure that. I don't know how well they'll work because like Misha made a great point about like life stages, like where you are in life stages compared to the people you're around really limits the activities and like on Misha and my team or broader team it's like very young like I mm. like overall it's like everyone mostly like young adults um in like our circles and so it's a it's a very different like environment for like meeting people and and making friends and building relationships so it's very true um sorry I had a question for Luke it was after, okay, people are in different life stages. Oh, do you have explicitly social meetings set up for your team? No. That's another, so that's like, there's not even a space to kind of explore these non-work related topics as well. Um, and whether or not you should have that meeting is 
up to the comfort level of the team and kind of your guys' goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you don't have that, then that is one more hill to climb uh, in terms of getting to know people. But okay, onto the onto the tips um, to get to know people. Do you want me to talk about this? I mean, I'd like to hear about it. Okay. The, I wouldn't say I have like a, a book, but uh, some things that I I guess I've, I've... I'll just talk about things that I've noticed or things that... I'm assuming that Jared is referring to the pranks that I pull at work. The pranks and the uh, the social events you organize, like uh, uh, Variable Park and like the, the Jelly Bean uh, getting to know like the deep secrets of the team Um, okay yeah 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 like that those are i feel like some of the classic instances of you like getting to know people um willing or them being willing or not (laughs) (laughs) yes that's very true all right i'm gonna i'll 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 talk about that i'll just admit that i'm quite nervous i'm not used to being held accountable on my words and this is gonna be on the internet the internet is forever um so I apologize to future me, and I apologize in general, but <laughs> let's let's kick it off. So, uh, the yeah, the Easter egg game. So this is a social event that I put together when I had my first ever in-person meetup with my team, which was like in 2021 sometime. And I had gotten this idea from actually I don't remember where from maybe the internet maybe Smosh uh, the alright first tangent skip to wherever you need to skip but this will be the first tangent um, are you guys familiar with Smosh on YouTube? Actually, yes actually yes yeah. okay are you, fam- the channel. are you familiar with their brief history slash revival I didn't know they had a, a little revival bit. I just remember them from like mid 2000s and that's it okay so the the smosh that you probably remember is Anthony and Ian two, two people mm-hmm. making funny videos together they did that for a while and then they were somehow acquired by a media conglomerate named Defy Media that went bankrupt and almost killed Smosh in the process and then Ian just grabbed the password to the YouTube channel and changed it and in the whole like you know redistribution of assets it kind of just somebody forgot about it so then they were looking for investors uh, and Ian was going to VC meetings and not really liking any of the conversations because there were words like synergy, uh, projected growth, very businessy kind of decisions that he did not like that they were killing his baby. Until finally, in the 59th minute of the 11th hour, uh, Rhett and Link, who are also two famous podcasters and YouTubers, uh, their media company called Good Mythical, Good Mythical Media, I believe, decided to purchase or acquire Smosh, and themselves being creators, Ian felt that 
these two people would understand where this came from. So then they got acquired, and then they hired a bunch of people from Disney and Nickelodeon, and now there's like a new cast of Smosh members that make both scripted and unscripted content. Long story short, that is how it came to be, and that's where I get a lot of my ideas from. That is uh, so interesting. I had no idea. Wow. It's it's it it got me through lots of quarantine uh, mm. to see you know two years ago people just kind of having fun playing games, uh, and they kind of explore a lot of different things, different board games, different kind of entertainment ideas that just a group of people can do. And so I take a lot of that and try to apply it to my life. Okay, tangent over. Um, the Easter egg game is everyone comes in, it was around Easter time, I hid Easter eggs filled with jelly beans, and then everyone finds them, they come back, they sit in a circle, and you open your Easter egg, and for every jelly bean color that you have, you answer a themed question. So like the red jelly beans are personal favorites and there's like a random spinning wheel and you know of the personal favorites you will spin a wheel and answer that question green jelly bean is like i don't know worst biggest fears or something like that and and so on and so on um and you got to pick a right combination of juicy question but not too juicy because after all it just is you know professional colleagues and you're also <laughs> meeting people from the first time uh, but you kind of you figure that out eventually and yeah it's a great way to get people to open up because they have uh, an excuse to no people definitely won't divulge this information just in a lunch conversation because it feels mm -hmm. awkward to bring up personal stuff or random stuff but when they have a social excuse to do so it's great yeah. And there's something to be said too about like breaking the ice, social excuse. And just like the first person who can like make the other person crack changes everything. Like the first person to say, like say something like oh, a little overtly personal or like ask an overtly personal question and you get through that weird moment. Like that just unlocks the next phase of like, all right, like I can really get to know you now outside of work. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's awesome to have like somebody with your initiative on the team to want to do that. That's sweet. It, yeah, it definitely helps. And the situation also has to, has to matter, right? If we play this Easter egg game in the middle of lunch, in the middle of the office, in the middle of the workday, I don't think it would fly nearly as much. Um, but taking all those things into account, you can, yeah, you can start to break the ice. That's cool. Jared, were you, did you participate in that? Were you on the team? I, I unfortunately was not on the team yet. Uh, ah. So we'll have to do it again. Um, some point when i'm in seattle or something but uh yeah i unfortunately wasn't there didn't get to learn all about all about everyone's personal details so i have to have misha fill me in with all, all the all the spicy deets we'll we'll think uh, of something new sister. when you get here and we'll it'll be brand new and you'll so get I'm, just an opportunity I'm, I'm curious then so like you had that game you know everyone like divulged about themselves very cool i'm sure like the dopamine was high what happened after that? Like, did it taper off until the next thing you did? Like, did it, did that unlock the next level of like friendship perhaps with these people? Like, I'm curious, like what the effects were. I noticed it creates a story or like a memory that people can relate to. And so when there'll be random mentions of jelly beans 
at some point in our life, it'll trigger like a shared memory mm. and it'll turn itself into a fun joke or something like that. And yeah, it, people also remember like random conversation topics that you can have and it slowly percolates in the most random ways. I'm a big believer that the process of getting to know someone is very unconscious and comprised of lots and lots of little tiny, tiny neural connections that you associate unconsciously just kind of as you sp you are exposed like a you know block of uranium that just radiates randomly and everywhere so yeah the, we eventually organized like more events uh we had other social events not organized by me that when you when you went there you you shared even more stuff or like if there was kind of like a team choosing situation, then you would naturally gravitate towards the people that you knew at least a little bit better. Um, so that all kind of adds up. I also think a really interesting point of like the jelly bean game, for example, something really interesting that it did was it like uh, ripped down like hierarchy in the team. So I feel like, I think like in the tech industry in general, like hierarchy isn't usually terribly strong. Uh, but especially when you're like newer at work or if you don't know people very well, you like build this hierarchy in your head where like that guy is really good. And so like, I, you know, I don't want to waste his time with like personal anecdotes or like mm -hmm. for us, I know like Misha and I is like our old manager. Like he was like very, he was very good at what he did. And so, uh, it was like, yeah, like this guy is like he's just great at work and it's like you don't know that much outside of it work so all you know is like this this is just a like a, a a god tier engineer or something and then something like the jelly bean game like humanizes that person and makes it possible to connect to them at all as like a human being um, because you start to realize that there's more than just like a person who's really good at work or a person that's been at work for a long time and knows a bunch um they also have lives outside and so it allows it, it gives you I guess like a safe space to like um, probe that like personal life and get to know the person um, as a human, uh, which is I think a big deal in like the work setting. And we haven't even touched like the non-work setting, but like uh, the work setting in general, I think that's big. It's hard to like, it's hard to connect to people that you feel are, um, that you feel are like above you, quote unquote. Yeah. And like, that's so true as far as like wasting people's time. Like I think I mentioned earlier that like one of the ways I've gotten to know people is just taking the first five minutes of a call or something and dedicating it to just personal stuff. But again, it's just like, you're kind of watching the clock and then you like, once you get on your third question, you're like, ah, oh, this is probably too much. And we got stuff to talk about. Like, all right, seven forty, we gotta like, we gotta go. We have 20 minutes now to talk. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's a little unnatural. It's a little conscious. And so I like the, I like your analogy, uh, Misha, of like, yeah, it has to be unconscious. Like there's like, there's this part of like, it needs to be intentional, but it can't be trying too hard. It can't be like forcing. It has to be, you show up like you mentioned, but then from there, it's like, it has to be as organic. Cause the, the intention of getting it going is where the intention needs to stop. Cause if you try too hard, then like nothing's ever going to happen. So that's interesting. It is interesting how the more you chase something, the farther it gets away. And that happens in a lot of, Situations, write that down, write that down. And I can't really 
describe why, but it is, it is a common trend. Another question I wanted to postulate related to this is uh, something I've noticed, and I'm very curious to hear both of your thoughts. You know how in college we lived, worked, and played, and, you know, cried and laughed with essentially the same group of people. Mm-hmm. And then you graduate and you go to the real world, quote unquote, and then you have this group of people that you're colleagues with, and then you have a separate group of people that you spend time with outside of work. And it's just interesting to me how when people talk about work-life balance, you know, anytime you mention work outside of work, that is usually seen as like, oh, like, come on, don't talk about work, like, talk about something else, have good work-life balance, do things outside of work. But to me, it just seems like you are, the goal is to like lobotomize your day into a work section and a non-work section. Are you referencing severance here? I am not referencing severance, but people have told me about that. I just started watching it. So like, this is very, you're like, you're like describing the plot exceptionally well. So, (laughs) well then I, I have to see this, but, and I know there's like at least five episodes out or something right now, but maybe that will answer my question. But I'm also curious to hear both of your thoughts on this peculiar phenomenon. And I don't know, do you think it's right? Do you think that that's a good separation? I don't know. I don't really have an answer for myself. I think that for me, I guess it's it's an interesting to answer this question from our different perspectives because I'm like a rem- I'm a fully remote person, so it's like I have I I go to work and I essentially work like when I'm in th- I feel like when I come to Seattle, like I'm I almost I don't get much work done like I'm I'm going for like the social aspect of like coming to Seattle and so like then I'm like hanging out and I like experience the social aspect of work when I'm here at home I just I don't want to say I grind because I don't think I really grind. I like, I wouldn't say I'm terribly productive in general, but like, I'm I'm like mostly working. Like there's very little social interaction. Like there's our weekly coffee chats, random one-off meetings, um, banter at the beginning of meetings that are work related. And so there's not much like social interaction, like in the context of work. So it's kind of like I get done with work. I hang up work and I like walk downstairs and I cook dinner and cook with my fiance, watch a TV show, go hang out with like high school friends or something. So it's like, I don't, and I guess to your point, like I never really talk about work outside of work because most of my friends here in Nebraska don't have any connection with like work, like, uh, like software engineering and stuff. And so I would say it's pretty sectioned off for me. Um, but I also wouldn't say I have much of like this social interaction with my colleagues at work for the most part. Um, but I think it's an interesting phenomenon. And so I'm interested to hear, I guess, um, if Luke becomes unfrozen, uh, he'll be able to provide an answer as well. Uh, but I guess like Nisha back to you, do you feel like <laughs> how, how different is your spheres like between work and not work, like in Seattle? Like, do you like, is it completely separate this like 
work colleagues and like outside of work friends for you? Currently it is. Yes. I have like a Venn diagram of unintersecting circles of people at work and uh, people outside of work, which like you said, mostly compromise uh, friends from school or university that also moved here um, or f- a few from, you know, hobbies, dancing, soccer, mm-hmm. uh, outdoorsy stuff, spike ball. I see. Um, and I guess, do you feel like, do you like that? Do you wish that you had more like outside interaction with work colleagues? Or do I wish I had more work interaction with my with your non-work non-work or with your non-work friends? Yeah, with my non-work friends. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't know. I feel like either could go well. Um, I here's here's the the. I'm trying to imagine a situation like what if what if I kind of we did I did have like a hundred percent of time with one or the other group of people. Maybe that isn't good, you know. Maybe that is kind of like what we did in school, and that's what was okay growing up. But now you need a more varied and complicated lifestyle, and that's okay. But I guess. Yeah, the one the question that I'd have and something that I like struggle with at times as well with like my like completely absent from work friends because a lot of my college friends work at Microsoft. So we talk about Microsoft like my college friends we talk about work more than we should. But like my like completely removed friends it's like do is it like a good thing for a friendship or for a relationship for you to just ignore half of every day that you live? Because like realistically like like we have like fun at work or we do important things at work um and so like and we grow a lot at work like we we grow as people we and we grow, we get smarter generally i don't know uh and then like if you just ignore all of that you're ignore, ignoring a large significant part of your growth you're ignoring a significant part of like who you are and so that's a really big challenge to say like do you um like, do you think that that's, like, okay? Or, do you, like, is it necessary to both pull, like, you almost, like, both pull both ends? Like, we are just arguing for and against, like, severance, the <laughs> the show. Uh, but um, I guess, like, what do you have thoughts on that? That That is the, the part, the conversation piece that makes me question all this is, like, that doesn't seem healthy to ignore an entire you know, half or third of your life, you know, assuming on you work eight hours a day on average or plus minus, that's like a third of your day and a third of your day sleeping mm-hmm. and a third of your day, you're doing something else. But it works for everyone and that is the current status quo. So maybe there is some merit to it. I guess the the good part about separating your work and your outside of social work, or your can we can we label this somehow? Can we like say work time and like work and then uh, 
personal? Yeah, personal. Pers- yeah, work and personal. That, that, that works. That works for me. Okay. The good thing about separating those two is that you... You get to explore more sides of yourself and some people do want that separation, right? Because you work for one reason and then you do other things that you enjoy in your personal life for other reasons. And it helps make your personality more kind of wider and makes your life more interesting. Hmm. I think that's that's interesting because I also feel like you're you become like like you risk becoming like Janus, like the god of doorways in like Roman mythology, like the 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 god with two faces. Um that you're always like looking in two directions and like splitting your personality. Like your personality is more well-rounded, but is it that it's well-rounded or are you developing two separate personalities? That's something that I've talked to my fiance about is like like when you're at work, you're not the exact same that you are like with your family or with your friends. And so are you like even yourself in that instance? Or like, are you even your, are you yourself at work and you're not yourself? Or like, is it, is it okay to live two separate lives essentially? Like, is that a difficult thing for you to like handle mentally? And I don't really know the answer to that, but um, I guess for this podcast that Misha and I do consistently, we actually have a guest uh, Luke Bogus is back. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you for carrying on. I, I can tell you my uh, my thesis of what just happened after the call. But uh, yeah, the little laptop change situation. But I think we're we're back smooth sailing. I think hopefully you were able to carry on, and we can just we can keep it going because that that last part you just said is very interesting. Hopefully this doesn't derail. Hopefully this is on topic. What you just said about work personality, like it's it's so interesting. Like I think about that daily. It's like. I feel like I was this throughout entire high school and college. Like I was this one being like I had like this one personality and like my hobbies and interests and my work and whatever. They were all intertwined. Like I define myself as somebody who really enjoys business and tech. I really enjoy music. I like th- it was all intertwined. And then when like a chunk of your personality becomes what you do to get paid and that just becomes a hole in you, it's like, okay. Am I still that person that just absolutely loved tech and business or is that my work personality? And like, that's what I do for 40 hours a week and I get paid to do. And so when I shut that off from like five to nine at night, who am I? Am I still somebody who likes business and tech or am I somebody who gets paid for business and tech and enjoys to do X, Y, and Z hobby and is X, Y, and Z person? And so I think that's very interesting as far as like, who am I personality wise? But then also like, yeah, the way in corporate jargon is another just like, very interesting world as far as like how people talk and how people portray themselves. And I, you know, the person that I am in my work meetings, like I, you know, joke by say, I hope I'm never that person like at night, like at a bar hanging out with people. But I have found like the interesting mesh of like, not necessarily that I'll say like cringe, like, like corporate things at night, but like I will find that my work personality has creeped more into my personal personality than the other way around. Like, I feel like I am 
kind of a shell of myself, so to speak. It sounds, for lack of better terms, like I, I am this, I am this person at work, like this work personality, and it has creeped into my personal personality a lot more than I would like it to. So it's interesting because then it's just like, well, is that who I am now? So I know I just loaded a lot of topics, but I had to make up for the, you know, five minutes that I was gone. So thank you. Pardon the interruption, but just keep the ball rolling. <laughs> It's great to have you on, Luke. Um, really, really excited to, <laughs> to to hear your thoughts. I've been a fan of your podcast for so long. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm so surprised you you still listen to it. Um, yeah, <laughs> me, me, my friend Jared. We uh, we mm. met at UNL, kind of our junior year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, to answer both your questions, is is that okay? Uh, if it feels like you have two different personalities, that, of course, isn't fun. Or it feels like you have to split yourself. But then again, like we do that all the time. Like the way you talk to your friends is different from the way you talk to your parents is different from the way you talk to mm. your grandparents, your colleagues, or like a complete and random stranger. Um, so I like to think about it a little bit more that way. Like it's definitely okay to show to interact differently with with different people and then that's just kind of like a spectrum of like personal life to to work you know certain people at work you'll be more professional with certain people at work you'll be more casual with and all the way down to friends some friends you'll be closer with some friends you are you know very formal with and don't goof around too much so i think that's okay as long as you're happy with it you know do you feel like there's any difficulty in defining who you are or do you care about that definition? Like, do you, do you have any qualm of like saying like, I am the person like that, I, who interacts with like my friends and my siblings, like that's who I really am. And then I, all of these, like how I interact with my parents or with uh, distant friends or work colleagues, is like various layers of masks that I put on top of my true personality or do you feel like there's a difficulty now in like defining your true personality when you're when you're juggling so many different um, like interpretations of yourself? Great question, Luke. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I was gonna say great question as well. Yeah, that it is interesting because I always I always admire the people that this isn't a direct answer to your question, but kind of it's. I always admire the people that's like, hey, like, great to meet you. Tell me about yourself. I'm the type of person that one of the first things out of my mouth will be where I'm from, what I do for a living. And by what I do for a living, that's my work. And I strive to someday be the type of person, oh, tell me about yourself. Yeah, I'm from Nebraska. I love hiking. I love playing. Like, the first thing you say is, like, who, like, your personality about, like, what non-work things are you? And so I think it's very interesting where, like, you know, there's a subset of people who, do find their work, their passion. Like they are able, they're entrepreneurs and it's very like intertwined or they work for, you know, some social good or they have something that like they are super wickedly passionate about and they also get paid to do it. And so that makes sense where it's intertwined. But um, I don't know about you guys, but like for me, it's like, I don't think, uh, and I'll say this on the record, I don't think IT security as a service is necessarily my living passion, right? And so it's like, how do you compartmentalize like that? The fact that like I know for certain that it's not my passion, but like, am I convincing myself to where it should be? Or like, am I just going to, you know, 
accept the fact that like, all right, that is, that is one subset of who I am, who I really am is that, you know, lower tier, you know, that, that like peeled out pack the onion and like what I really am is my hobbies and my relationships and my whatever and whatever, whatever. So it's interesting of like, yeah, is compartmentalizing okay. And to what extent to where like, yeah, you're like a fake person at work. That's definitely not healthy. Like you said, Misha. So it's a fine line. It's a fine line. I don't know if you guys think about it similarly. Like you, it sounds like you're, Social is very intertwined in what you do. And it's interesting, like when you really enjoy the people you work with and you see yourself in the people you work with, it makes it a lot more fun to work and makes it a lot more interesting. So I'm, I'm curious, like, do you, do you have that like anxiety of like the complete and utter switch or do you feel like it's kind of intertwined at this point and you're cool with it? I'm going to give Jared a, ch- a chance to speak here and then we'll, we'll come back to this later. Cause I feel like Jared may have a good answer to his own question. I think that first I'd like to say something that I think is interesting based off of what Luke goes. So just like continuing the trend of not exactly answering the question is that um, you said like usually like you introduce yourself as like where you're from and what you do for work. And like part of that is like maybe we have this difficulty in separating our work and personal like being. But the other thing that I think is interesting with that is that like that's what's usually expected of you. Like, we give that answer because that's what society expects. Like, if you're sitting in business class on a flight to New York City and the guy next to you wearing a suit says, who are you? Like, you're going to say what you do for work because you assume that's all he cares about. You, you Or he or she cares about. You don't think, oh, I play sand volleyball on Tuesday nights. Like, he's going to be like, oh, geez, like, this is a weird person. And so, like, partially it's like we, like, we do this part of our like bringing our work self and like trying to to paint ourselves as what we do for work is like part of this societal idea of like you are what you work and like that is like when people see you they just think about what you do for work and how you fit into the grand like societal um body like what cell you are in that body um and that's like an easy way for people to connect i think it's much more you have to already like have some sort of connection with someone to be able to say like oh i like hiking Um, because otherwise it's like you, it's hard to like establish yourself as a, as a worthwhile person to talk to. If you just start off with like, oh, I, I like hiking. I like woodworking. And they're like, okay, but do you work? Like, do you do do anything? Um, and that's like an interesting, an interesting thing that I got from your question. As far as like me and like how I think about like my, like who I am is like, I, have not answered that question like to the slightest like i one i'll like there'll be times when i work a lot like oh you know like i said like I, I work remotely so sometimes i'll just work and like not stop working or um you know maybe sometimes i don't work much of at all uh <laughs> in a day and so it's like this idea of like who i am is like the lines are so blurred for me that i like can't say if i am the person at work or if i'm not the person at work um maybe that means that I've found my true self. I've just blurred the line so far that I'm like one being, but like, um, I'm not really sure about that. Like I can't give a definitive answer. So I'll swing it over to Misha to, to give another non-answer maybe to the question. <laughs> you raise some amazing points, Jared and, and Luke as well. <laughs> and so eloquently said, so, so many, uh, topics and thinking points. I think I actually finally have an answer to the question of is it okay to to separate yourself or not 
and like, do you wish you had one more side or the other? Imagine if everyone felt that way, that like, they're like, oh, I go to work and I put on my work face and I have my, you know, one work personality that I put forward. And then I have all these other sides of me that are super cool that I kind of show outside of work. Um, imagine how cool it would be, or it, I find it always super cool when you have, you see that other side of a person and so maybe that's kind of my pull towards blending the two a little bit more is it's really cool when you thought, you know, one thing about a person like, oh, this person's a PM or a software engineer and you have this archetype that you have in your head about them and then they show you this other new side and you, like, it's like Remy from Ratatouille mixing the strawberry and the cheese. They're great by themselves but it's even cooler when you mix them together and it's something completely new and unexpected and it's just a, a neat human experience. So I, I like that idea that sure you put one side of yourself, but it's not like you have to split yourself. You just kind of selectively choose which side of you and you know, you're, certain people are better for showing one side of you and other people are better for showing a different side of you. For example, you know, you may be a party animal or really enjoy the rave scene, but your parents are not a good group of people to share that with because you wouldn't, it just wouldn't work. But that's still, that's still one of your, one of the pillars of your personality so you just have a different group of people that you share that with, and that's where kind of your social circles come from. My philosophy is that, you know, people have to, everyone has to make a living. You gotta, you gotta do something to, to pay the rent and put food on the table. So you should strive for uh, three Ps, uh, purpose, people, and pay. Um, you should, and uh, there's another one, it's like, I don't have a name for it, but it's like, are you good at what you do? Um, what's the word for that, Jared? Performance? Yeah, sure. Let's go with performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you should be reasonably confident that you're, you're good at what you do or like you feel like you provide value. A purpose is like, do you like what you do, right? Do you think what you're doing other people value? Uh, we live in a finite world of finite resources, so pay is important and then people like do the humans that you interact with appeal to you do you not hate the people that you come and interact with for eight hours a day um, and so if you have all that that's great and then if we're going to be doing this anyway why not make it a little bit more fun um yeah i think that doing little things in your uh, let's just say this i really like mundane Dane things. I think that when you think about work as like a grind, then of course you're not going to be happy about it, right? But if you just do little things to make the mundane things a little more splashy, then it actually doesn't have to be so bad. I think the, the, the show The Office does this really well, right? Where like they all work at a paper company. And like in one of the first seasons, Jim is like, I sell paper. And he's like, wow, that sounded even more boring than in my head. 
but then you have all the all these you know Michael doing all of this uh, hijinks, Jim doing pranks to kind of liven up his his experience, and I think that's great. And I know the show is a parody, but it it Not shows that it those isn't. little things. <laughs> yeah, on our team it isn't, and then that all manifests itself in the some of the last seasons where there's a, a quote I really love by Andy who says. I really wish you could tell that you were in the good old days while you were in them. And so if you just kind of have that mindfulness mm-hmm. and the, uh, the will to, to go and do something about it, then I think it can be pretty great. That's awesome. I, you brought up a really great point. I like the, the four P's analogy. That's awesome. A little, I think an interesting thought is, do you feel like, I feel like I do, so I'm curious what you guys think. Do you guys feel like we as a society sometimes try to optimize for finding the perfect all four Ps? And if we don't, then we're unhappy. Like, do you think that there's like, it's like a gradient of like, you got to give and take for one P to, for the other one? Or do you feel like we just get in this constant loop of how can I get a hundred percent for all of them? Yeah, I personally feel like that's like one of the biggest problems in in society is like we've like we've lost our ability to be content with imperfect situations because i'm not going to get into why i feel but like i feel like we see a lot of supposedly perfect situations both like in social media on youtube like what we inter- what we interact with in terms of content there's a lot of like supposedly perfect situations so we feel like we have to obtain that and the reality is like it's impossible to obtain you can't obtain it and so it's a question of how do you be content with imperfection in one or multiple of those areas, or maybe all of them, um, but not be so content as to put yourself in a bad situation. I think that's a balance that's really hard to find and even harder to find when you like really feel like you need to maximize all of them uh, because you're just never going to be happy then. You're just striving for something that's impossible. That's my viewpoint. I don't know if Misha has a different thought. No, yeah, uh happiness is is relative um if you are comparing yourself to people with there's always going to be someone with more of something um and if you actively compare yourself then you definitely won't be as uh as happy and there's like a difference between happy and content and I think a happiness is somewhere in between content and, and ambition. You are mindful of what you have, but you also have something to look forward to. And so somewhere in between there, you can, you can find a balance in, in the four Ps. Man, I want that framed. Happiness is somewhere between content and ambition. Like I think one of my favorite phrases up until that point was like, tr- always try to find the balance of uh, ambition and patience. Like there's, there's a difference because sometimes people are ambitious and impatient and that doesn't get you anywhere, but you can be ambitious and patient. You can be optimistic, but also be patient for the opportunities that can come and just like being open-minded and being enjoying the now. Um, so yeah, that's, that's super fair. And I feel like of the things that you can have control over, like, yes, you could say you have control over all four, but the way that you control things like pay and what you work on is by quitting your job, right? But like the things like the people you work with and how you work, like 
that's kind of in your control. Like, you know, you can't really always affect somebody who like you just don't 100% vibe with. But, you know, if you think that your team's kind of lacking from a cultural perspective or there's people you want to get to know, like it's up to you if you show up and make it happen, um, if you really, really, really want it to work out. So, yeah, it's interesting how like sometimes we feel hope or at least I, you, you feel hopeless when one of the P's doesn't work out. And like the only way to fix it is to escape to something different that it has to be better over here. Um, when in reality, it's like, how can you optimize the peas that you have or just take with the your peas like with what they are and realize like oh this is actually like pretty good like i have it pretty good and you're just you know you convince yourself that there's something better elsewhere um something i think about all the time to hop on that while we're, while we're on the topic uh if you ever this is one of my friend's tactics of if you ever feel kind of hopeless or without efficacy in a situation uh he makes a point of always investing in his physical happiness, his spiritual happiness, and his like um, educational happiness. I don't know a way to put it. Mental so, happiness. Oh, mental. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, mental, or, or so. Like either he is, you know eating better or uh, exercising or spending time outside. That's like part of the physical happiness. Spiritually can be, you know, any of the things that go into their relationships with, uh, with other people, with deities. And then you have mental, which is like reading. Um, it can be work related and if you invest in three, then if one is going bad, then you have other two to kind of uh, mm. make you feel happier about how things are going. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. I feel like that's uh, it's too easy, especially for I feel like us in our position or like people in our position to put all our eggs in like the work basket, is especially when mm -hmm. we're young like this. And then you just like you try to grind it's kind of like related to somewhat of our podcast last week, uh, which is like, do you want to like grind hardcore and like just focus on work um, and like make the monies um, or like, what are these other areas of your life that are important to invest in? I think that's a, I mean, I feel like at, the more I've talked about it, the more it's like just grinding isn't the way to go. Like you, you can't put off all these things that make life good. Um, but of course, every different people might have different answers to that question. So yeah. And like Misha, like you said, like, I feel like the, the connotation with, oh, work is grind is sucks is not fun. Like just that is also like part of the problem of like shooting ourselves in the foot, or at least for me anyway, it's just like the mindset of like, oh, the nine to five sucks. Like it just, it, it's part of life. Like just sucks. So just deal with it. Like already having that mindset, it's like, well, does it really have to? And it doesn't have to be like the only way to make it good isn't by doing, working on something that you're viciously passionate about, you know, making it good could be like, getting to know the people around you and like, you know, building camaraderie within the team and like learning that the people you work with are people and have families and like are people outside of this figurehead that I make, you know, of all the people that I work with. So yeah, there's something to be said about just like the tone shift of like your approach to work can just also change your outlook on like what work is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just talking with people will help, uh, help shift that, uh, and if, if all else fails, then, you know, you'll have uh, kind of like the more 
you work on something, the more invested you become in it. Uh, Jared's smiling. I feel like, have you guys talked about this before? I was actually smiling because Luke flipped his camera up. So oh, backwards. okay. <laughs> this, is, this is called the, the Benjamin Franklin effect. And uh, the story goes that during the American Revolution, uh, Benjamin Franklin would ask small favors of French diplomats. And they were inclined to do him small favors like lend me a chocolate bar or like come to this meeting or something like that. And as they would do these small things for him, they would become more invested and then he could ask more and more of them. Um, and you can kind of, maybe that'll happen with your work, you know. The more and more you work on something that initially you didn't have passion for, it kind of just slowly grows on you and... Uh, you kind of see the the more value in it, or at least it feels better to to contribute more to it. And you feel like you can contribute more to it. If that's important. Yes. Like Efficacy. once you get to the point where you like know enough to be efficient, and yeah. So. Yeah, I love that. I uh, we're, we're we're coming up on our fictitious stop, but I am I am curious. How uh, do you feel like we've gotten to know each other? Misha, this is an interesting thought experiment of the question that you posed. We've had an hour with each other. Uh, how, how do you how do you feel? We've had half an hour of real conversation, thirty minutes of of kind of technical difficulties. But I I do <laughs> well, again. This is a feeling thing, right? Like this is there's no right answer. It's, it's how you feel, how I feel. Um, mm-hmm. I feel that just the fact that we've shared words, I've he- heard you out, you've heard me out. We're not going to get to know each other in a day, but if we, you know, if you'll have me back next week. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> if we ever, if, yeah. if we ever happen to cross paths at some point, we will look back on this moment and we will have ledges to grab onto and some neural pathways in our brain will have been built. And I think over time, uh, we definitely... You know, it's a spectrum. Like over time, the the connections will go stronger and stronger. I think. How I think do you what feel? Misha is saying is uh, we need to get drinks when we're when I'm out in Seattle in, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Even are better. You still gonna, are are all three of us going to be in the same geolocation at the same time? We are. This we is are. like right before Luke comes back to Nebraska. It's like mm-hmm. his last one of his last weeks. He'll be in Seattle. So okay. A uh, an unprompted meetup. Wow. Yes, let's go. Live show. <laughs> live live show. show. Let's set up with a laptop in like Cal Anderson and just and live stream it and live record everything. That'd be awesome. Then we afterwards we can walk over to Elliott Bay Bookshop and do a do a signing of our uh do some signatures and pictures, meet and greet vinyls. with all the listeners. Your your, your yeah. vinyls, yeah. Yeah, we'll get yes. vinyls. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. No, it's been great meeting you, dude. This is this is awesome. I've heard a ton uh, from Jared, obviously, uh, over the last few months about about you and um, some of the pranks that you've pulled. It sounds like so. Uh, it was great to meet you in person, and yeah, you're a very very thoughtful guy. And I hope uh, hope we can continue to to chat and do it over drinks next time. This was this was a lot of fun. Thank you for indulging my brain thoughts, and it was really nice to, to meet you too. It was really good to see to see the face behind the silky voice. <laughs> the silky voice. We're like the silky mic, but I, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate it. But we, we can't leave though without without doing our regularly scheduled segments mm. that we always do at the end of every episode. 
where Jared shows off his, or rather displays, not shows off, displays his vast knowledge of history, a topic in which I know nothing about as well. But it would only be right if our guest were to pick a topic for Jared to think about. So how just, you know, it's very easy. The nice thing is that Jared knows tons. Just think of a, a time frame, a location, a person. And in the history, it could be long history, recent history. There's a 99.9, actually a proven 100% chance that Jared will have a fact. He hasn't proved me wrong yet, so I'm going to say 100% chance that he has some <laughs> historical fact about it. So literally you haven't a read country, the show notes a place, where I put a person. My <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, if, um, if, you have, if you have any of those, feel free to just spit one out if you're curious. Otherwise, I can pull something on top of my head, too. Are you talking to me right now? I, I am. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you're going to have to remind me how this game is played. I mention a time and a place, and Jared gives me a fact. A time, Pretty much. A, place, a time a person, or place. Person. Country, a region. Ooh, Could be person. any. I mean, I'd you know, do a person at your leisure, but that's probably going to be my <laughs> weakest area. Oh, okay. And please, no, no musicians. Sure. Or, oh, I'm trying to think of your favorite historical time, or a time where people got to to meet each other. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I don't. I don't. History is not full of happy moments. I'll tell you that. <laughs> On the contrary, only the sad moments are written down. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Mm. Okay, Jared, give me a fact. Give me your happiest history fact. Like, uh, just it's a time that would give good one. people hope. Like, hey, well, look at that. So I'm going to give a fact that is, at this point, I think, pretty much universally known uh, about the Great War or World War I. Um, it was the, Twas the Western Front, I believe, 1917. Um, it was Christmas, uh, 1917. Uh, this is the story of the Christmas truce, which I f feel like you both heard about before. Um, anyway, of course, everyone, okay. <laughs> Got a couple of head shakes. Um, of course, the Great War, World War I, terrible war. Uh, most of the war was fought with, like, uh, lines of trenches, like, hundreds of yards apart from each other. You'd go over the top into no man's land and get machined down, uh, was pretty much like the standard way of doing things. And so it was a very like deep, it was the first really detached war. If we talk about like the history of warfare where hum people are being detached from the, the killing that they're doing at a large scale. Um, so it was very brutal. Um, but in 1917, uh, of course, like if you remember, there was so many calls of like, Oh, the war will be done by Christmas. The war will be done by Christmas. Uh, that came and went in 1916 or wait, was this 1915? This might have been 1915. Uh, the year, I guess it's not important. Either way, uh, what happened was the English, uh, this was in kind of northern France area, um, the English started singing Silent Night. I think, believe it was like Christmas Eve, Christmas morning-ish. And the interesting thing about English and German is that Silent Night in English and German has the exact same uh, melody, and the words line up almost perfectly. Um, it's like, a, I think it's a German song originally, but like both of the, the, they harmonize almost, almost perfectly. And so the English started singing and then the Germans started singing Silent Night as well. 
Um, and so they started singing together. And what ended up happening, um, and like not all the details are perfectly known, but um, eventually people started to come out of the trenches as they were like singing these Christmas carols. And they made what was called the Christmas truce, which is a completely unauthorized truce by the uh, foot soldiers, like the infantry, the, the low-level guys of the Germans and the English across like a many mile span. And they came out of their trenches. They exchanged gifts with each other. They uh, played soccer matches. There was a soccer match between the English and the, and the Germans. Um, I, don't, I think the English won, but I don't remember that for sure. And so they just had like a jolly time in like the middle of the war. Uh, and it was like the day before they were slaughtering each other, um, the day after they slaughtered each other. But this is a really like happy moment because it shows that like at like our core in a lot of ways, not to like go into this like Rousseau versus Hobbes debate, but like at our core, like we have the capacity to connect together and like get to know people even across like lines of war. Um, and it is just like a completely spontaneous thing that happened. It's a really, it's a really beautiful story. I encourage you to look it up. Like the Christmas truce of, I think... Uh, I'll put the year in the show notes. Um, but um, that is, to me, one of the happiest moments uh, whenever, like, spontaneous truces in war are always always a good thing. So That's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. That is great. Man, what a, what a great topic. Uh, man, you nailed it with the main topic. You nailed it with the impromptu topic at the end. Uh, appreciate it, as always. I always. I do what I can. But... I guess that, you know, this is this is going to be one of our longer episodes. We had so much good discussion. Um, That's true. But, uh, Misha, thank you so much for joining. It has been an absolute pleasure for us um, to get your pondering uh, to Bounce Against Stars. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we will be back, like always, every week. Um, next week, Luke and I will, will be back on the case. Um, uh, Luke, do you have any, any additional info pieces announcements for the listeners I, I i can't say i do other than we would love your feedback as always on unpromptedpod.com uh it, it might be down right now because of the just vast traffic that is hit uh from the website with all of our listeners but if you are lucky enough to get access to the website and get access to the uh, form uh and making it through the volume uh then please leave a leave a, leave a note for us we would love to hear from you but uh as always it's a pleasure talking to you jared and Misha, great to meet you. Thanks for joining us. All right. We'll see y'all later. All right. See you guys.